Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 32 to 40, and also from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. You can follow along in your bulletin. We'll begin with the Gospel of Luke. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that when they so that they may open the door for him and as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And now from the book of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out from a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised as, as, a, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him who had been him faithful who had been promised. Therefore, from one person, and from this one, as good as dead, descendants were born, many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable gains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith without having received promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would, have, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So one of the things about... Um, the General Assembly of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is that, at least for a pastor, you have these opportunities to take workshops that are designed to 
help and foster your congregation. And the last General Assembly, which I went to back in July, which was held in Des Moines, was no different. I decided I wanted to take a few of the workshops that were taking place there, and I decided to focus on church buildings. Very exciting. But I figured, since we are thinking about what does it mean as this, how we use this building that we have, does it mean that we are remodeling? Does it mean that we have to relocate? I thought it was important to go to one of these courses. One of the classes was called Tent or Temple. And the facilitator noticed a few things as he went through scripture. What he noticed is that God didn't always seem to be super interested in buildings. John the Baptist, of course, had a ministry, but his ministry was in the desert, which was interesting because his father was a temple priest. For many, many years, if you look in the Old Testament, the children of Israel worshipped God in a tent. It was Solomon that saw that as king and felt guilty. God told Solomon that he didn't, God didn't want a building. He didn't need one. But Solomon did it anyway. So he built this very opulent temple. Unfortunately, he did not use union labor. He actually used slave labor. And he, he built this temple. But it was not something that God wanted. It was something that Solomon wanted. Jesus' ministry took place everywhere but a temple. And in fact, when he did talk about temples, strangely, it was always about their destruction. And what this class was saying is that God is not always so focused on buildings. And what it was trying to say is not that we should all worship in a tent, which, of course, would not work, work so well here in Minnesota, especially in February. But the facilitator had this point. It's basically how we view the building. We sometimes think that a church, where it is, with the building, is there forever and ever. Amen. But the thing is, churches move more than once. Some of you here know that because this church was not always here in Matamidai. It was actually back in St. Paul. What he was trying to get at is that churches in many ways are tents. It's on the move. Not as fast as having an actual tent and moving, but it is saying that God is always one that is on the move. And so should the buildings where the people of God gather. Most of the people in that building, and in that room, um, on that Monday, were there because I think they were very much like we are. A declining congregation in an aging building, and they were trying to figure out what to do. One of the starkest things that I remember is this pastor, and she was talking about being the pastor of a over 200-year-old church. 
and they are even smaller than we are. It was down to a handful. But what she kept trying to get across was that these people did not want to shake and let loose of their building, even though it had many structural problems. They, this congregation was very much stuck in its past. Buildings have a role in the congregation. In some ways, they are part of a history. They are very much like the rings on a tree that they show the history of what that congregation is going through. They can have, they can either help a ministry, but they can also hinder a ministry. If you don't have a building that is accessible to everyone, you have a problem. It's hard for certain people to be able to come in to worship, to gather, to have the Lord's Supper together. Sometimes what happens is that a building can keep us locked into the past. And so locked that we forget about what it means to actually be a disciple of Jesus. And that because of that, we don't look forward. And looking forward requires faith. Before I go into today's text in Hebrews, I want to give a little background. Hebrews is not written by the Apostle Paul. We are not totally sure who wrote it. And the thing that you need to know that applies to today's text is that Hebrews uses the word faith more than any other book in the New Testament. And in today's text, we have where the writer is taking us through a trip through the Old Testament. And they start off by talking about faith as the reality or the thing, the substance of things hoped for and the proof of what we don't see. Faith is the reality. It is the proof of things that are not realized yet. Now, when the writer is talking about faith, it doesn't mean what we think it might mean. What, when people use the word faith, usually what they're trying to, to say it is about basically believing in a certain theory or certain propositions. In some ways, that's a passive kind of faith. What Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking about is far more active. The faith that is taking place in Hebrews is about faithfulness. It is about placing our trust in God in a way that we might trust someone who will catch us in that kind of a trust fall. So back to Hebrews 11. And we have what we have here is a hall of fame of faith. We only read, read a tiny portion of that chapter. And that chapter goes through basically most of the Old Testament telling about all of these people. We don't read all of the characters. But what we learn about all of them is that they have a very active faith. They believe and they're willing to do things even when they don't have all of the information, even, that, even though you might think 
they might think that what they're doing sounds outlandish or crazy. And of course, what we, the person that we center on in today's text is Abraham. Abraham has an interesting story because we have an elderly man who is living in Ur, which is modern-day Iraq, and he is called by God to uproot himself and all of his, his household to go to a place he doesn't know. And God tells him that he and his wife, Sarah, will be the progenitors of a people, which seems a little impossible because, again, Abraham is, is elderly. So is his wife, Sarah, who is way, way, way past childbearing age. In Genesis 15, God establishes a covenant with Abraham. And in verse 6 of chapter 15, we are told that, God, that Abraham trusted God and he lived that out in his life. That doesn't mean, though, that Abraham was perfect. One of the shining examples of when Abraham and Sarah were a little doubtful was when they decided to use Hagar, who was um, Sarah's maidservant, to have a son with Abraham named Ishmael. And God has to remind Abraham that it'll be through Abraham and Sarah, nothing against Ishmael. But it's an example that faith is not about being perfect. Sometimes we even have doubts when we have faith. And I think that's important because many of us, at least I do, doubt at times while we also hope and believe. These two continue to move forward and they believe, they strongly believe that God won't let them down. And Abraham knew he had to believe that he would be the father of a great nation, even though it was not clear and was not certain, at least to himself and to everyone around him, that this would happen. But of course, it did. There is a book that I'm reading, and hopefully maybe it will be a book club reading in the fall, um, and it's by the late pastor and theologian Eugene Peterson. And it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He uses the Psalms to talk about what it means to be a disciple, to follow Jesus, to, to be a disciple through the ups and downs of life. And this is exactly what Abraham is doing. He is walking in a long walk, because we know it is years before he is able to have a son. It is not a perfect walk, but it is this long obedience in that same direction towards what God was promising. Hebrew, this passage ends by telling us that many of the people that are listed never saw the promise that they have been promised. But they never saw that promise realized. When I hear that, they, but they, they still trusted God. They knew 
that maybe they saw something, maybe it was just a flicker of something, that they knew that God still trusted, and they still trusted God. When I hear that passage, it just it reminds me so much of Martin Luther King's I've Been to the Mountaintop speech. It is his last speech, actually a sermon that was given before the day he died. And towards that end of that sermon, he preaches that he can see the dream. He can see God's dream of racial equality. He trusted that it would happen, even though he probably had doubts along the way. But he trusted God enough to know that it would happen. The final passage says that these people were hoping, they were longing for a better country, for a better world, and they were not looking back to the comforts of the past, but looking with hope for the future. We live in a time that is very odd. I would actually say very foreboding. As I said in our prayers, we have had not one but two mass shootings within a few hours last week. Even if you are someone that believes in gun rights or the Second Amendment, this is still something that is weary to hear and to see. And now we also have this threat, as I said, from within of white nationalist terrorism. Where are we headed? And where are we headed as God's people? The writer and philosopher Wendell Berry observed how Jesus did ministry in his world, which was probably just as chaotic, if not even more chaotic than ours. And I want to share this quote. As I have read the Gospels over the years, the belief that has grown in me that Christ did not come to found an organized religion became instead to found an unorganized one. He seems to have carried to carry religion out of the temples, into the fields and sheep pastures, onto the roadsides and banks of rivers, into the houses of sinners and publicans, into the town and the wilderness, toward the membership of all that is there. So what do we do in a chaotic world? It is a long obedience in the same direction. We keep doing what we have been doing. We love each other. We love our neighbors outside of the church. We study God's word. We pray. We join together in communion. Going back and thinking about our church buildings, I think that Wendell Berry is correct. Our ministry is not necessarily within the walls of this church. Though this is an important place for us to gather, for us to pray, for us to commune with God. But it is a staging area for what takes place outside. Our church buildings have a purpose, but what they need is to be oriented to pushing us out and not toward inward as if we are a club for the few. We are called to be church, which is the other name for the people of God, and to proclaim God's redemption, 
breaking through. We gather to hear the word preached and to hear the sacraments like baptism and communion practice. And we come to pray for the world. And we keep doing what we keep doing and trusting in God and that God will break through to heal our world. So how do we use our church buildings for the glory of God? And how do we use it in a way that is a ministry that is pointing outward? I want to close with something that I saw on Facebook this past week. And even though we think that Facebook is not so great these days, you can still find something every so often that's good. The picture was of a church. It was a small congregation in Iowa. And the, pa the former pastor there had received this, and she wanted to tell this story. When, when she was there, she thought it was important that they put a ramp outside of the building to make it accessible. Now, people immediately said, again, this is a small congregation. Of course, as you know, not, not in a large budget, that they couldn't do that. They didn't have the money. She told them, build the ramp, and she would worry about the money. And through grants and through other gifts, the money was found to build the ramp. And the picture shows this wooden ramp that wraps around the building able the ability to give access to people. The church is now open to more people in the community. And it is because of a pastor that trusted in God, even though the bank account probably told them it was impossible. God can do great things with God's people even when we don't have all the answers, even when things look grim, even when the bank account looks slow. So let us continue to do what we have been doing, to study the Bible together, to preach, to come together in, God, in, in communion, to pray for one another. Let us continue to have faith, let us go outward, and do ministry, carrying the good news with people we, we meet. And let us continue to walk in that long walk in the same direction for the glory of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.